Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good whatever it may be for you right now. This is Lose the Taboo on Mental Health with Jared Cash. Buckle up, get ready, we going for a ride. Hey, welcome to Lose the Taboo on Mental Health. I'm here with my good buddy, Ross Wiley. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Pumped to be here. Ross and I uh, have known each other for less than a year now, but we both work at Timberlake Church. Uh, Ross is our young adults pastor, slash helps out with a ton of stuff at the church. Uh, So that role includes a lot of things. Uh, But Ross is just an amazing guy. I've loved getting to know him. Has uh, a lot of really good thoughts about different things that I think are going to be great for us to touch on with mental health here today. So yeah, I'm just really excited to jump into this conversation. Yeah, me too. But I'd love to hear, Ross, uh, just a little bit about you, if you could describe a couple sentences to you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how deep you want to go. Um, I'm one of those guys you really don't want to ask that question because <laughs> it can go all over the place. But um, long story short, I was born in um, a Seattle area um, and then kind of moved around a little bit um, and went to high school out there and had a um, kind of a rocky high school experience. Um, I wasn't ever the guy that wanted to just sit in structured school and learn. I always just wanted to build uh, and be creative and have an imagination. And I think as we know, like the, um, I guess the whole schooling system uh, is kind of built to walk you down this kind of chopped up um, path, this kind of boxed out path um, to being a worker. And I've always seen myself as less of a worker and more of a builder. Um, So I had a hard time, but I ended up getting some pretty good um, pre-SAT scores, and I got into uh, university um, in Miami Beach, Florida, which was quite an experience, Um, and hung out there for a while, uh, studied business administration and criminal justice, and was just kind of like all over the place. Um, But I had a hard time in college, too, because I always just wanted to do, I never wanted to, uh, you know, sit inside the box and and do what everybody said, and I wanted to just... um, be my own person and be able to uh, express my creativity and that kind of thing. Uh, however silly that is at that age. Um, you know, I heard a study recently uh, and it talked about how a thousand four to five year olds were tested um, on intelligence. I think this is, oh, I forget what book this is from. Anyways, this is totally, I don't have a source for this right now, <laughs> but it was a, a thousand four to five year olds were tested on intelligence and, uh, like 85 to 90% of them tested as, um, genius as geniuses, uh, just based on their creativity and their ability to express themselves, that kind of thing. Um, and by the time they were early teens, 12 to 14, um, they took a similar test based on their age group, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and only like 15% of them tested as um, some sort of genius. Um, and that really, you know, I bring that in because it really um, shows that some people are, are built to learn differently and mm. um, built to learn through creativity and like kinesthetic learning, that kind of thing, touching and feeling um, and building that kind of thing. So anyways, I had a tough, just, you know, t- taking that, you know, holistically and, and kind of juxtaposing it with my experience. Um, I continued to kind of have a hard time in college. Um, I got pretty good grades, but at the same time I just didn't, wasn't enjoying it. So, um, <clears throat> I, let's see, I left uh, Miami and joined the United States Coast Guard, which mm-hmm. I thought would be cool, you know, just hang out on boats and rescue people and yeah. do that kind of thing, uh, which rolled over nicely into ministry, right? It's both kind of search and rescue, um, which was kind of a funny conversation when I was getting into seminary. They were like, oh, this is perfect. I didn't even see the, you know, the parallels. Yeah. But um, I got in the Coast Guard, absolutely hated it because I'm not one to enjoy being, you know, yelled at and told what to do, that kind of thing. Um, but I really adapted to it and I saw this area where I could, um, get outside of the box and express myself and be my own leader. Um, because really, you know, leaders in the military and other places, they really want you you to, to get what they ask done. But other than that, they're not hugely concerned as long as you check the box, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the whole concept of working in today's environment, just get what I tell you done and then you can, you know, go whatever way you want. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of fun and got kind of crazy about five years in um, and left the Coast Guard, moved to San Diego, and I was just on a mission to just kind of figure out who I was. 
oddly, at this time, I had uh, one baby. I had a one-year-old and one that was just born, or a two-year-old and one that was just born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a crazy time. So we, got, we had a condo downtown San Diego, and it was, it was crazy, and it was fun. But I got a call about a year in um, and offering me a really good position back in the Coast Guard um, driving uh, search and rescue heavy weather boats. Um, because they needed, you know, skilled boat drivers, that kind of thing. So anyways, got back in the Coast Guard, moved to Mendocino County uh, area. And that was really where, um, you know, I really dove into my calling uh, from Jesus and um, got involved with this little Calvary church up there and did some part-time ministry stuff uh, and really found my calling. You know, I was, I grew up, we can dive into this later, but I grew up a, a total intellectual atheist um, I thought if you can't prove it, it can't be proven. You know what I mean? I, you can't argue from that standpoint. And so um, it was my mission to kind of just go around and destroy Christians, right? And just wow. tear them down. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of Pauline, I guess. Um, and, you know, I, I found Jesus when I was in boot camp, oddly enough, this little wooden church, sat in the back pew, uh, had no idea what was going on, and uh, just really um, broke down. Um, Holy Spirit just came in. Um, I don't even know if I heard the gospel. It was just like this moment where God said, I'm here. I don't even need anybody to say anything. Um, so that was really where I found Jesus. Kind of fell off a little bit. Um, and uh, I had kind of rocky childhood with my parents. My dad was a big corporate guy, um, always flying all over the place. My mom was home um, doing her thing, and it was hard for her. But so, it, it, you know, I always saw like, the kind of the negative side, the cynical side. Um, and really... Um, it was 2012 when we moved to Northern California. I got back in the Coast Guard, really got involved in church. Um, and from that point forward, I kind of felt uh, like I was on a better track and like I was really called to ministry. But I've always been kind of a weird um, pastor or Christian um, because I believe in the Bible. I believe what the Bible says, um, and I believe in God, but I don't always believe that we're, um, we're doing Christianity right. Mm. I think that um, we're kind of stuck in our ways, and there's a lot of creativity that can be uh, that can come from the church, and, and we'll dive into that more later. But yeah, um, yeah. so in, let's see, 2015, um, decided to get out of the Coast Guard. Our goal was to plant a church. Um, that was 10 years in the Coast Guard, and um, we kind of, it was kind of suicidal, right, because I, I got out. Um, I could have done 10 more years and retired on a really low kind of pension, but um, got out at 10 years, and our goal was to plant a church, and we didn't know how to fund it, so uh, we took our savings, and we built a restaurant um, because we were like, hey, the restaurant will fund the uh, church, um, and so then I, I really got into full-time ministry, and my wife you know, ran the restaurants, um, and she's a total animal, uh, and I ran back-end stuff. I've always been a guy, you know, I'm very ADHD tendencies, um, and so I've always got to be doing something. My brain's always got to be moving. So it was it was easy for me to, to go from church to come home and um, manage the books, that kind of thing. So what was the name of the restaurants? Um, let's see. The first one we built was called or is called Rapid Fired Pizza. It's kind of a mod concept, mm-hmm. um, except we cook pizzas a lot faster. So uh, we're able to um, just be quicker and give a better customer experience, that kind of thing. Uh, although mod, great product. Um, but, uh, and then the second, you know, that restaurant did really, really well. And we're like, cool, we're really excited. Um, but we were still in the mindset of make more money rather than plant the church. So um, we built another restaurant um, right next to Bowling Green State University. Um, and that store uh, was cruising along. And then we ran into a distressed owner of a couple restaurants up in Toledo area, Ohio. And, um, purchase those. Mm -hmm. And so we really maintained this track and and it made me, it kind of challenged my calling the whole time. Like, am I called to, to really plant or am I called to kind of reinvent, um, and express my creativity through the church, um, and really come into organizations like Timberlake and see what we can do to think outside of the box and really, um, execute Christianity in a different manner. Um, and that's that's one of the things I love, uh, is, this it's kind of become a new thing, but just the creative aspect of of churches, you know, I think that totally. it's that's a God given gift, 
uh, and some, a skill that's learned, and I think we can use it to advance the kingdom in huge ways. It's untapped potential, really. Yeah. It hasn't even <clears throat> began to really become uh, what it can be. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And, you know, I was, re- I was recently thinking about this thing um, with my wife, this, this concept that I really wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, and just walk through this with me. So imagine um, husband and wife are driving down the road. Uh, they're looking for their dream house. They just moved to a new area. They're looking for their dream house. Um, they don't know if, whether they're going to build or buy. Um, and they're driving through this area. And they drive through this rural, you know, rolling green hills, um, kind of the, the whole Ireland ideology, right? This just beautiful land, um, kind of Eden-esque. And they, they drive through and... The husband set looks over and says, wow, look at all that potential land. Look at all the potential opportunities for buildings and houses and developments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, a potential city could, could come here. And his wife scolds him and says, what are you talking about? Um, that's God's land. That's God's grass. That's God's trees. How can you, as a Christian, even think about trying to tear down what he put here um, and put some man-made thing, right? Mm -hmm. And put some man-made objects or whatever. Um, And the rebuttal is, if we have a Christian worldview, and if we start from a foundation of Jesus is God and the Bible is truth, and we can go into apologetics if the listeners want, but if we start with that worldview, then we have a full understanding that, uh, according to Genesis 1.26, is that we're all created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Um, We are all imagers, of God. Therefore, our thinking and intelligence, creativity, and most of all, imagination is the result of God's image and of God, ultimately. So, um, you know, a really um, great pastor by the name of Erwin McManus was talking about recently how a city without God is just a beehive. Right, mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of people going around in circles, doing random nonsense, random meaningless nonsense, uh, getting off work, you know, going home drinking or whatever they do, going to the bar, hanging out with friends, and it's just these meaningless tasks, this cyclical, um, you know, horrific, just meaningless life. But if you inject the Christian worldview into that, all of a sudden that city becomes a beautiful image of of God and God and the imagination that God gave us um, and those people, you know, because every building uh, was in the imagination of an architect, you mm-hmm. know, and every, uh, whatever it is, every wooden structure was in the imagination of a woodworker or um, a construction worker, that kind of thing. Um, and that really goes back to like what you were talking about, because um if, if we really understand that we're all images of God and everything in our imagination is God-given, ultimately, um, everything is beautiful all mm. of a sudden. Everybody is creative all of a sudden, um, and God's image is everywhere. Um, not denying that there is a presence of evil in the world and in us, um, but as images of God, everything we create comes from our imagination. Um, Anyways, and that all kind of wraps around into um, like the concept of of mental health Mm -hmm. and um, people that are are fighting things. Um, Maybe they're just going at life um, in a way that they weren't meant to or, um, you know, some concept like that where um, they're not understanding that they are an image of God themselves. Um, They are the product of God, and that, that if they really, you know, come to Christ and do what they feel is good, right, and holy, uh, then ultimately um, everything they do will be beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. But you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, kind of want to expand a little bit what you're saying there, as sure. far as um, so someone struggles with mental health. Uh, wh- how can the and they, let's say that they find Jesus, walking towards Jesus, still struggling with mental health. Um, I wonder what the creative aspect of what we're talking about, how that ties in exactly. What would you say? Yeah, I think that as, um, as humans, um, 
And if we even go back to the fall and realize that we're all broken, um, and really my view completely changed when I realized that everyone is broken. Yeah. Um, and if you establish that, um, and really understand that we're all equally broken to start, then you no longer walk around thinking about what someone else is thinking, because realistically they're thinking about their thoughts and spinning in this, you know, this meaningless cyclical motion in their head. They don't have enough time to think about you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, long story short, you know, we're all broken. And, uh, and if you, if you start with that and realize that, um, and, and really just label that, um, uh, you know, a lot of what we do in mental health or a lot of what we don't do in mental health is establish that an enemy exists, um, mm. and is very active. Um, and you know, the, the, the enemy, you know, um, operates through us and his weapons are our thoughts at times. Um, and so if we kind of establish that and realize that some of the, every person on earth is going to have, um, dark, horrid, um, evil thoughts. Um, but the real sign of someone who's saved, someone that really understands the gospel of Jesus Christ is that consistent spiritual battle that they're constantly fighting between the flesh and the spirit. Cause the spirit is separate and holy and beautiful and godly, but the flesh is not, is, is fallen and broken. So we're constantly going to be battling back and forth with that. And you have to, A, label there's an enemy, you know, back to the beginning, label that there's an enemy, label that there's evil, label that you're broken, then all of a sudden you have a different frame of mind and you can say, wow, that thought was bad, or wow, that thought was dark. Um, it's a good thing that I can lean on God who gives me the ability to turn that around and really just, um, you know, flip my mindset and, and, and really work on... Uh, the good things and the happy thoughts and, um, you know, just take time to write down and, and meditate on the good things, mm-hmm. you know, that are going on around you like this a beautiful room, you know, that was, you know, it came from someone's imagination, those trees that came from God and all these beautiful things around you and the opportunity to sit here and, uh, and live in this environment and experience this amazing world and have one more breath to breathe. Uh, it really, just changes your mindset a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, got kind of yeah. going on a rabbit trail. Yeah, that, uh, that's really interesting. You know, I think one of the things that's really difficult about mental health is it can, mental illness, mental health struggles, it can start to diminish the quality of life, you know, yeah. to the point where some people have a hard time even doing the normal things in life because of mental health struggles. Sure. Uh, and... Right there, what you're talking about is improving the quality of life because you're realizing you're you're not allowing your thoughts to dictate uh, the downfall, down spiral of uh, of you. But you're actually able to realize that when you start to realize the things that God's given us, the things that God's provided around us, you start walking in the ways of the Lord. It, it just naturally begins to improve your quality of life. It improves your thought process. Yep. Um, and yes, those mental health struggles may still be there, but you start to start to see those diminish a little bit and you start to see your quality of life, uh, sure. becoming better step by step. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know, a, a moment of self-deprecation, I guess, is I can say that, um, when I was a kid, um, I had kind of a rocky childhood, kind of an absent father, that kind of great amazing guy. Dad, I love you if you're listening. Um, but, um, you know, I, I went through this period where I had, um, a TV in my room. My parents gave me a TV in my room. And, uh, I, I tell this to my kids all the time. I have three little girls and, um, I put this TV in my room. I was probably about 10 years old, something like that. Just horrible mistake. Um, and I stayed up and I had this bunk bed with this futon on the bottom and I went from sleeping in bed every night and peacefully sleeping to sleeping on the futon and watching TV mm-hmm. to not sleeping and watching TV all night to uh, waking up to, you know, the Simpsons and South Park and, uh, you know, all those different shows that, that really affect us. Um, and what I didn't know was the effect of, um, you know, the TV going on while I sleep affecting me as a person permanently. 
Um, because A, when you go to sleep and there's consistent noise in the background, you're not really falling into that REM zone. Yeah. Um, and you're, and you're ultimately hurting yourself. Um, but, but it's starting to result in like these horrible nightmares of, of static. Um, I would just kind of see static. I would see kind of just dark darkness. Um, Hmm. and I really saw that as, uh, now, I mean, now when I look back, I see it as, as just kind of evil working into my life because I was opening the doors to it. But, Long story short, you know, that, that kind of messed me up and I had to um, kind of fight the nightmares for a really long time. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't go away. But we have to we have to establish that everybody's struggling. Everybody's going through something um, very similar and everybody's broken. Um, and when I realized that, it gave me the opportunity to come out and talk about it and say, you know, I'm broken. Um, you know, I, in the, when I was in the Coast Guard, I did a lot of, uh, on the California coast, I did a lot of uh, body recovery, dead body recovery. People mm-hmm. would commit suicide off bridges. We had a bridge that was 120 feet and people would jump off, you know, regularly. And our job was to go body recovery and talk to mm-hmm. the news and that kind of thing. Um, and I saw some really horrible things and, uh, and those kind of a, a little bit of PTSD legitimately, you know, comes back pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, and and what I what I did and what I learned is that if I if I label that and say um, that's evil, that's darkness, maybe this is a a memory that's coming back as post traumatic stress, but but also um, that it may be coming back because I'm opening the doors to um, evil in my life, or I'm giving into these thoughts, um, that kind of thing. So, anyways, I'm broken, but but I established that everybody's broken, and so yeah. it makes it easier to to operate in life and. Um, a lot of what people who are battling mental health don't do is is really label and admit to themselves that they're they're facing something that's evil and dark and and so is everybody else and um, there's things you can do to prevent it. I don't know. Yeah, kind of went in a circle there, but no, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think that those are really key steps, foundational steps you have to do. Um, if not, it can feel so overwhelming, it, it, and before you name yeah. it it just feels like this overwhelming monster that you can never actually get your mind wrapped around. That's right. Um, so yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Uh, want to kind of shift gears a little bit, uh, make sure we get it in there. I know Ross that you are know a lot about just technology about kind of where, where we are in 2022. Uh, and I, don't know it <laughs> as much as you in that. So I wanted to ask if you could just explain uh, virtual reality is such a big thing right now. And yeah. f- for some people listening, they may or may not be familiar with metaverse is this mm-hmm. kind of this new concept that has kind of become huge. And I want to see how this, if you could explain it a little bit to our listeners in case they don't yeah. know, but then how does that tie into a little bit of what we're talking about? Yeah, totally. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of background on myself. Um, to kind of finish, you know, my introduction to give everybody an understanding of like where my whatever knowledge comes from. Yeah. Um, you know, went went to college. Um, you know, built the restaurants, worked in the church, um, and and through that process, um, went to seminary. You know, uh, completed my my master's in theology. Um, but also through that time, I really hit um, the wave of cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. the advancement of some technology. Like I said, I'm really not a normal Christian. I love to dive into that stuff and think outside of the box. And and so I went down a lot of rabbit trails with um, with cryptocurrency. And I'm now you yeah, know, well, we do some Bitcoin mining and stuff. Um, now, but uh, it took hours, hundreds of hours to understand it. And so, um, you know, that that being said, that kind of built my foundation. Um, and recently, with the advancement of um, cryptocurrency, comes um, advancement of virtual reality. And I'll start that out by saying, uh, cryptocurrency was you know developed, um, you know, open source blockchain code basically which is probably another language to a lot of people but basically it's um it's a decentralized currency uh and both currency and platform and when i say decentralized think of aa might resonate with a lot of people aa is an organization with no headquarters um with no um president ceo it's completely decentralized anyone can pop up all over the place yeah and if you think about it it's the most unstoppable organization on earth because it's it's going and lasting because of you know people with faith um and people with that need healing and people that are genuinely motivated 
Anyways, um, that's just kind of a, um, a decentralized organization. And there's a really good book I'll, I'll pitch here called um, The Starfish and the Spider. The whole concept there is if you cut the cut a leg off of a spider, it limps. If you cut two legs off, um, you know, it's limping even worse. If you cut all its legs off, then it's, then it's going to die, right? It's going to mm-hmm. ultimately starve. Um, if you cut the, the leg off of a starfish, uh, it grows another leg. If you cut two legs off a starfish, it grows two legs. Um, and it's virtually unstoppable unless it's completely holistically just um, consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, that's how you can kind of think of blockchain, open source blockchain, um, decentralized um, cryptocurrency and, and, and um, crypto platforms. Um, but it really was developed so that um, so that we could have a currency that anybody could reach, so that the, the kid living in poverty in South Africa could access, A, money without a bank, but B, funding and loan. There's geniuses um, in these other, in these poverty-stricken countries that don't have access to funding or investments or education, um, and they, they're coming up with these world-changing, you know, ideas and yeah. disease um, preventing ideas, that, that kind of thing, but they have no access to it. So um, long story short, uh, cryptocurrency gives us, um, I'm going to say a really scary world, a one-world currency, a currency that can be used anywhere by anyone, anytime. Um, but along the same lines, cryptocurrency really worked up um, into the development of virtual reality um, because virtual reality, um, essentially, the ultimate mission is to give people uh, an alternate reality, you know, mm-hmm. a, a getaway. Um, and, and I've heard people in the tech industry, high level tech industry people say, um, that, that they ex, uh, expect people to spend between six and eight hours a day in the metaverse. And I'll get to what that oh, is. Oh, wow. And that's crazy. And in there, um, you need some kind of currency. You need something to use as money because these games aren't free and, and the, the worlds aren't free and that kind of thing. A lot of people on here may have kids, uh, with iPads, and they might play a game called Roblox or Minecraft. What they don't know is that every time they load money into these games, it becomes a cryptocurrency that their child then can go run around and use in different aspects. Um, so if you take that, like that Minecraft kind of world um, where, where kids can use money and interact with actual currency, then we see the beginning of the metaverse. Um, and so now... Uh, and we really saw this blow up at Christmas 21 or 2021 um, is the release of, you know, this Oculus, Facebook Oculus headset where anybody can buy for 200 bucks and you can jump into the metaverse. Um, everything costs $30. It's kind of this convenient price point. Um, but the next point is to um, connect, and it's already happening, is to connect virtual reality with cryptocurrency to develop um, a world in which we can... Um, live, spend money, buy real estate, educate ourselves, watch movies, go on dates, play games, and all sorts of um, other options. So when you know when you think about that, it's a little bit intimidating, and um, and we really have to kind of build an understanding of how we're going to allow this to take over our current world. Um, so I'll just give this example. At Timberlake, right now we're looking into different options of accessing the metaverse um, and, and being able to spread the gospel yeah. in this virtual world. And a lot of the listeners right now might be thinking, that's crazy, just bring them to church, don't waste your time on the tech, that kind of thing. But the problem is, is there's this huge demographic that are spending all their time at home, that don't go outside, they're buying stuff online. Um, these kids, you know, in the summertime or in the evenings that are just sitting in these virtual worlds. Um, and virtual reality isn't just the headset, it's also the iPad where they're living these lives and that we don't know about, you know, monitor your kids because they're in these advanced worlds and the um, ads and promotions and stuff are really affecting your kids' brains. Um, in a good and a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen my kids become so intelligent by u- utilizing their iPads through Minecraft and, and using their creativity to build and draw and that kind of thing. But it, it also creates an environment where, where kids can be affected by um, 
you know, bad and evil promotions and marketing and that kind of thing. Long story short, um, we're looking into how to spread the gospel. And we know that there's this giant population, especially in these tech capitals like San Francisco and Seattle and Miami and Portland, that kind of thing, um, where people are spending a lot of their time in those areas and they're not going to come to church. So we're really trying to access that people group um, to be able to spread the gospel because um, really the gospel is an, is an audible thing and a personal understanding. So it can be spread through um, like the radio televangelists, like we've already seen mm-hmm. it, but in the, in the metaverse. And so what we're doing is we're building a digital campus um, where people can literally feel like they're walking in the front doors of the church, walk in, literally sit down, um, and uh, watch the church service on the screen. Um, wow. So that's a little that's bit, wild. you know, if I, if I jumped over anything, let me know. But, um, yeah, it's kind of the basics. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. It's kind of a, a lot probably for, for people to yeah. fully understand. For me, like, I'm just trying to picture it all. Um, are, there, are there some churches that have already been doing this? Yeah, yeah. I, if anybody has um, access to the internet or the Oculus headset or whatever virtual headset, um, there's a church, uh, and I and I probably shouldn't throw their name out there, but I, I want people to hear the gospel. So it's called Cornerstone um, Christian Church, CCC, I think is what they go with, in um, Yuba City, California. And they really are the pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've seen, I think it's around 8,000 people come through the, the doors of the digital church wow. in two years. But they've also had more than 2,000 people um, pronounce faith in Jesus and, and see real salvation. Um, we can't track whether they're real people or not, or bots or not, or um, if they're really giving their life to Christ, that kind of thing. But, but we do know that people are being accessed, and we're doing, mm-hmm. they're doing Bible I, I, I went in with a headset with our tech director um, and online campus pastor, and we just sat in and did a Bible study with these people, and wow. it was so crazy. And so I, I think one of your questions was, you know, how is this going to affect mm-hmm. the future? Um, I think uh, we can't fight it. Uh, unfortunately, the which, te- which a lot of churches and Christians do. Yeah, will find right. It. They're yeah. putting up their guard and they're saying, nope, it's just the gospel. It's just, you know, all we need to do is go to church, that kind of thing. Um, but there's a problem when everybody in church is saved and no new people are coming to the church. Yeah. Um, I mean, at Timberlake, we have a 27% um, children to adult um, percentage, basically, one of the highest in the country. Uh, and, and we're seeing growth in our church because of our access to kids and, and um, the opportunities we give them and that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, back on how this is going to affect the future, we, ca- we can't fight it. We have to understand that, A, the, the tech companies that are developing these things um, have way more resources than we think. And we can't look at it as, it's a, as if it's a bad thing. Um, so I'll just pitch this on, you know, this is a mental health podcast. We all battle with mental health issues. On my Oculus headset, I have several meditation apps where mm. it's just you put it on all of a sudden you're sitting in a grass field that looks uh, completely real mm. uh, there's wind and there's background stuff you can do yoga you can do anything you want in there so there are really good sides to it so first we have to establish that it's not evil um, it's not the devil it's not you know um, the one world order or whatever the conspiracy theorists want to call it it's really an opportunity for us to um, develop the church and ourselves in our lives and our families um, and, and walk alongside technology as it advances. And there may be a lot of people that are, you know, shaking their heads or, you know, um, dis, uh, I, I guess dissatisfied with my response there. But, but I really think that uh, Jesus would want us to look at it and, and see it as an opportunity rather than um, some kind of barrier. Um, and, and so there's a big argument in church, like, is, it, is the metaverse going to take away from our in-person attendance? And the answer to that is, we don't know. We've ran the numbers up and down, and realistically, it's just um, the fact is, if we don't have church on the metaverse, then uh, other churches will be on the metaverse. And um, our church, having the opportunity that it has in the tech capital of the world, um, we have to jump on this, and we have to try things out, and... Um, and see what we can do. So, yeah. And, you know, and I look at it and 
you know, it's a lot to take in and think through, but I'm yeah. with you. you. You look at, look at scripture and Jesus went where people were that needed to know the truth, Yeah, you know, and, and lots of times they were not in the places that, uh, that others thought he should be going, but right. he just went where people needed to hear the truth of, 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 uh, of God. And so that's it. look at it and I go, man, if this is a way to continue to do what we're doing and still have in-person gatherings, of course, but be able to possibly reach people that we wouldn't have the ability to reach otherwise, like, why wouldn't we? Yes. You know, it's just wasted potential, wasted opportunities. And, uh, maybe you maybe it could just be that one extra touch that allows someone to finally say yes to Jesus. Yes. And it's like, if yeah. we have the opportunity, especially in the location we are, why wouldn't we? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing R and D some research, research and development in the metaverse, just walking around into different worlds. Um, there basically, uh, when you start out in the metaverse, you're just like in this kind of grassy area. There's a bunch of other people running around real humans, and you can talk to them and interact and play games and do that thing or, or do your thing. Um, and, and in there, there are uh, regulations and rules, just like in other games and stuff. You can get kicked out by saying a swear word or, or whatever it is. They really try to keep it clean. Anyways, there's portals where you can go, I want to go see a concert. So you go into the concert portal or I, I want to, there's live concerts in there, right? I mean, um, a lot of artists are doing that. Justin Bieber, Travis Scott are doing these metaverse concerts. Um, and, and really, that's another aspect of, I'm just going to go on a total dog leg here. That's another aspect of kingdom growth is that imagine if we can develop a metaverse church where people can come in um, and give their life to Christ um, and even give to the church if they wanted to um, in a cryptocurrency form. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the church has um, $100,000 that they can send to Ukraine or send to Africa or, or Guatemala or whatever these uh, countries that are affected by um, poverty and famine, that kind of thing, uh, or war. So that's just another aspect of it. But what I was getting at was you can kind of go from world to world uh, or room to room, that kind of thing. I even went into Life Church and walked around Life Church mm. and talked to people. I, I made friends. So I, in the metaverse, ran into a guy, I forget his name now, but I made a friendship with the guy that's developing the metaverse for Life Church. Mm. And we've never seen each other. We never met. It's just two digital people talking. So, um, I've made a lot of friendships in there and that's weird to say, but, um, and the really interesting thing is a lot of the people in there are Facebook developers, Instagram people, um, meta or Facebook or meta people. Um, and they're developers and they're walking around talking to people, really getting people's experiences. Mm. But when I met those high level, there was executives in there. There was venture capitalists, angel investors, that were really looking for high-level people because the only people jumping in right now are, are kind of high-level folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of kids are jumping in now and stuff. But anyways, I went around and I just did a poll and I asked like 25 people, if, if I were to build a church in the metaverse, would you think about coming? I, got, I, I didn't get one no. Mm. Everybody said, yeah, absolutely, that sounds cool. And from that point forward, we really said, okay, we really need to dive into this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. But, but it is the future, and we're try- doing our best to adapt. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what advice would you have for parents that have kids that are jumping into there? What kind of supervision should they be giving? Yeah, so, I mean, there's different applications. Like, I have a six-year-old, and she likes to fish. So she puts the headset on, and, um, and we can cast it to our TV, and, and she is out there fishing. And it's the funniest thing, because you can see her cast and reel real slow and then and then you know pull back on it and hook the fish pull it out and then you literally have to grab the fish off the hook mm. and look at it and you see what kind of fish it is and you win awards and stuff anyways she's six years old and she's doing it she loves to fish um but then there's other things uh where it's where it's more of an open world decentralized place for developers to do things and that's the metaverse um and it's, it's pretty unregulated. I mean, they just came out with a, a safety distance, so you can't come within, like, three f- digital feet of a person um, because there were people that were getting too close and getting uncomfortable, that kind of thing. We knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, 
And there's people that swear in there or say potentially inappropriate things. You don't want to expose your children to that. So if you buy the Oculus and you let your kids mess around in there, um, just just be sure to um, put them in closed applications or applications where they can, um, uh, where they're not exposed to real people. Yeah. Um, that being said, I have a 13 year old, and we all know what happens to at um, seventh eighth grade. They're exposed to swearing. I mean, no matter if it's Christian school or Catholic school or prep school, they're exposed to everything under the sun. And I know that. Um, and as a Christian and as a pastor, as a father, um, I pray and I hope that she is, you know, the little candle in the dark room, the mm-hmm. light in the darkness. Um, and she really is. Uh, and she's turned into a really impressive intellectual person who, who knows that um, Jesus is the foundation of everything. And long story short, I will allow her to go into those open worlds and do things and because um, school is so structured that um, kids need to be exposed to, A, boredom. One of the most valuable things you can allow your kids to do is be bored because when you're bored, your brain all of a sudden um, turns on these incredibly intense creative um, thought processes and things. And, and kids get to access that creativity like they like in no other environment. Mm-hmm. Um, boredom may sound bad, but really it is a tool and it's got to be used. Um, if you think about, for instance, if you chase, if you chase a cat around a house, um, I, I think this was a Jordan Peterson thought, but you, you kind of chase a cat around a house, um, it's going to run from you, right? It's going to run, it's going to run, it's going to run. But if you trap it in a corner and kind of make a move at the cat, it's going to get mad, hiss, and it's probably going to bite you or attack you. Now, it's, an, it's a cat versus a human, so there's really no competition there, but it's still using that, um, using its natural ability to, uh, or a natural strength of fear. Fear mm-hmm. is, is a strength, and it's an opportunity for us to really give in to our, I'm not saying give in to fear, but I'm saying use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like fear can be used to our, um, our or the natural um, fear within us can be used to our advantage, so can boredom. Um, and mm-hmm it can be one of those tools that we allow our kids to express their creativity. That being said, um, as she goes into the metaverse as a 13 year old, going back to my oldest, um, she sees things that she's never seen before. And, um, I mean, she's noticing you can buy, uh, billboards, marketing, digital billboards, moving billboards, signs, you can purchase them in the metaverse. Um, so my daughter was in there walking around. I'm watching her on the, on the TV and, and she looks up and she sees a Pepsi ad on the side of this building in the metaverse. Yeah. And she says, oh, geez, look at that. That's good marketing, you know, sarcastically. And I'm like, wow, my daughter just experienced um, not just real world marketing, but digital marketing in a metaverse space, um, labeled it, understood what it was, and then moved forward to the next thing. And, it, and it, I just, it clicked that, wow, she's being she exposed to something that is allowing her brain to think outside of the box. Mm. Um, and, and do different things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it can really be used as a tool. It can also, just like anything else, it can be used, um, for good or for evil. Yeah. And so we just have to do our best keep our eyes on the kids for sure. Yeah. Man, that's kind of mind blowing. Just the whole experience <laughs> with it. Uh, I haven't, yeah. I haven't stepped into the world and so I, uh, have yet to experience it. Uh, but just you explaining it makes a lot more sense and, you know, hopefully it, hopefully it brings a little insight to people that have kind of been curious about it because you see so much about it, but to really understand it without experiencing it can be difficult. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Want to go back real quick and, you know, kind of just feel like maybe there's someone that's listening that does struggle with PTSD uh, and want to just get you to share a little bit of um, what you've learned along the way. Uh, with that, what encouragement you would have for someone that's struggling with that? Yeah. So, um, I'll just say straight out, I have, um, diagnosed PTSD just from talking to people as I exited the military. Um, something that I didn't think I had, you know, I'm always kind of higher than now and I'm a a critic and intellectual guy. So I'm like, no, I'm fine. Um, but kind of just the way I expressed myself, um, triggered, um, to the doctor or the, you know, the therapist or whatever that, that it was actual PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, in my adult life, I also found that, that I have, um, ADHD, um, diagnosed, but 
The interesting thing about those two labels, I can't stand labels. I'm a millennial, right? So I hate labels, yet I just labeled myself as a millennial, right? <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of use them to my advantage, you know? So like as a, as a person with ADHD, I know that I have um, the tendency to hyper-focus on certain things and just become an expert on it and then just leave it real quick, just mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, with like post-traumatic stress and stuff like that, I have to say, and this is going to sound cheesy, but I really think that the most important thing someone with post-traumatic stress can do is do some research into Jesus. Um, I had a really hard time. We'll go into a little of apologetics here. I'm a total apologetics nerd, but I, um, as a, uh, when I'm, when I say intellectual, I'm not saying like, um, super smart, but I, I'm a facts driven, mm-hmm. um, kind of guy. And it was really hard for me to come to Christ. Like I, I had to really figure it out. I had to look at the manuscripts. Um, I had to look at the Dead Sea Scrolls and like read through them and learn Greek and, and read through them to know that, um, that it's factual, you yeah. know, uh, that, that, um, Jesus really is the, the center and beginning and end. Um, I had to understand that, when you read through Isaiah 53, for instance, like the, all pastors that should know Isaiah 53, um, where, it, where it talks about how, uh, you, you know, the, the Savior, the Messiah will be pierced for our transgressions. Yeah. Um, and it walks through the whole, like, punishment uh, and death and resurrection of somebody who's called the Messiah. Um, and that document was written five, seven hundred years before Jesus even was born in human form. And I had to look at things like that to really build uh, an apologetic. And when I say apologetic, um, just for the listeners, uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, Paul talks about how, or um, Peter talks about how we we have to have a response to those who are critical of our faith. We have to have an answer for our faith and our religion. Um, and that, that word for answer or response, and I'm probably getting that word wrong for the um, Bible nerds out there, but um, is apolog- apologia. And so we get that in, in the theological world, we get that apologia word, and we use it in apologetics, which shows really the, the facts and foundation for um, understanding that the Bible is factual, mm-hmm. infallible, perfect word of God. Um, so anyways, I had, to, I had to do some research, and I know a lot of people out there listening are, even people that call their, themselves Christians might just like the community of church and just the interpersonal communication, that kind of thing, but they really don't believe it down to the core. And if we look at life and our job and um, all of it from what I would call a Christian worldview, then all of the sudden, like I told the story about the, uh, our imagination and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, um, then we really see everything as the kingdom of God. Everything um, we experience as, every conversation as a moment God put in front of you to uh, do, see, learn, or build something. Um, so if we look at life from that Christian worldview, then all of a sudden our whole life changes. And the label of PTSD or the label of OCD or ADHD, that kind of stuff, becomes more metaphysical uh, than anything. And and like we talked about in the beginning, if we establish that we're all broken, ADHD doesn't mean much. Uh, OCD doesn't mean much. The labels don't mean much. It just means broken. You're not extra broken, right? A lot of people in the saying, oh, I'm, everybody might be broken according to Christianity, but I'm extra broken. No, you're not. You're, you're broken just like everybody else. And, and we have to adapt to it. Um, and really the answer for that is, is Jesus. And I say that um, after walking through and learning scripture, you learn techniques and thought processes and, um, and things for um, everything you experience in your, in your mind and in your life. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I forgot. But yeah, anyways, it, it really just gives you a foundation of hope um, and excitement. You know, he, Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about how um, that, that faith is hope and what we don't see and confidence in what we hope for. Um, and so if we, and that's not word for word, um, but if, if we really see life like that as waking up every day with hope, um, without Jesus, uh, hope is in the material world. 
But with Jesus, uh, that hope lies in the conversations that we'll have and the experiences that we'll have and, and the moments that we'll have um, just in life uh, and, you know, sitting in the backyard just thinking uh, or enjoying our, our thoughts and adapting to uh, what might be, what we might label as weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have the ability to turn them around and, and see them as uh, something that, that we can use for our advantage, that kind of thing. Um, so with, with like post-traumatic stress, I think one of the biggest things with it is that we are constantly reliving moments um, and through a Christian worldview lens, um, it says that those moment, those horrible moments are learning opportunities, mm. are um, significant things that God, um, that, that we went through in our life so that they, A, they wouldn't be repeated, B, the, the opposite could be taught to our children and to, yeah. um, and, and we're really, by um, establishing that, A, we may have a mental health problem, but everybody does, and establishing that we have a Christian worldview, then all of a sudden we can break these generational curses and, and, and teach, um, you know, we're all teachers, we're all pastors. Mm-hmm. We all have the ability to influence somebody. Um, I mean, one of the one of my mentors uh, when I was first getting into ministry said, hey, "Before you even think about becoming a pastor, become a pastor at home." And mm-hmm. so I really took that to heart, and I sucked at it the first like year, um, but but I slowly realized that my kids are listening to me, and they're remembering things I say word for word. Yeah, it's and scary. All, yeah, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh my lord, I am a, I'm a teacher, I'm an influencer." I'm a mentor and I feel totally unqualified and I feel mentally broken. But, um, but now I see that, um, that I, I might've picked up that body, that person, um, so that I can look back and reflect on an opportunity that, uh, where someone's mental health pushed them a little too far and to where I can, um, just show somebody that life is worth living and, um, that it's just, it takes a millisecond to just ruin everything. And, um, you know, Jordan Peterson recently said, never underestimate the void that your life would leave in your absence mm. or the, the, the void that would be left mm-hmm. um, if you were to commit suicide, that kind of thing. And I, that really hit me because, you know, when we, when we commit suicide, it's this really easy um, fix for all of our problems. But it, it puts our family and our friends in this, just hellish um, world of why and, and regret and sadness yeah. and reflection. Um, I'll just tell a quick story. Yeah. So uh, one time we were out and uh, my job was basically driving boats in like the nastiest weather, 20, 30 foot surf. Um, we would rescue crab boats and you, we've all seen deadliest catch. I would go out and like and rescue those guys. Um, but we were out and, and our job was to a few times a day, we'd go out and we'd check the ocean conditions and, and it was fun for us. We got to mess around, you know, our boats, boats rolled over and, mm. and recovered and that kind of thing. So it was fun for us, but we see this couple and this is kind of a dark moment, but we see this couple and they're walking out on the jetty. Um, and the guy that I was working with, uh, yells at him and he says, Hey, what's your social security number? And the guy's like, why? And we're on the boat, they're on the jetty, Right. And he's like, why? And he's like, so we can identify the body once, once we recover it. And he was trying to freak the guy out. Like, mm-hmm. get off the jetty. There's 20-foot waves crashing over it. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a moment of, like, laughter. And those idiots, you know, they shouldn't be out there, that kind of thing. So we turn around and go back. And about 15 minutes later, we get a call over the radio that um, there was someone in the water in the surf zone on the um, beach size, side of the jetty. And so we're like, okay, you know. This is our job. So we went out there, uh, and uh, I don't have to go too deep into boat driving, but you have to keep kind of the nose of the boat into the breaking waves. And so we kind of move our way over into the surf zone, and we see uh, the two people in in the surf zone. We realize it's the two people we were talking to, Mm. and they had been crushed by, you know, a 20-foot wave on the jetty, and they were obviously dead, right? Um, And so we come back, and um, we bring... Uh, the people inside, they're obviously dead, and we're watching over them. And I open my phone or something, or I turn on the TV, and I see um, this report on the news. This is about an hour after it happened of a, a comedian, a young uh, comedian who was um, who just had passed away in an incident in 
in the water. I didn't think about it. But then they showed a picture of her, and it was the same person that I was mm. sitting next to. Um, and she was on her honeymoon with her husband. or um, Yeah, their, her honeymoon with her husband. They were young, young 20s. Anyways, that was a moment that really resonated with me because our stupidity, our, our giving into our mental health, our ignorance of um, conditions around us, that kind of things, um, can you know change our life overnight or take our life away overnight. Mm. Um, and I learned a lesson from that that uh, you know talking to the family members and the, the police officers and stuff, how much like as a comedian, she had an effect on thousands of people and yeah. and and her friends and family. She was the funny, happy one, um, but at the same time, she was kind of the rule breaking one, the, the one that kind of tested the limits and that kind of thing. Um, and it, you know, this is, doesn't wrap into mental health very well, but, it, but what I'm saying is, uh, that was a moment of education for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people we would recover were, you know, drug addicts and things like that, which, um, mean as much as anybody else, but, but her story really resonated with me a lot or her and her husband. Um, it's something I look back on and I teach my kids, uh, about these little opportunities of learning that I've had over time. And, you know, PTSD can come from uh, a lot of different things. It can come from, you know, abuse and rape and war and that kind of thing. And uh, even if it's, you know, meaningless, what seemingly meaningless experiences at war for a mission that um, doesn't seem to have worth, that kind of thing. If we look at it from a Christian worldview and really label it as a moment, an opportunity for us to reflect on um, a lesson, uh, that we learned in the past, then then all of a sudden uh, it doesn't become a hindrance. It becomes an advantage that you have on somebody else. And so what I've seen in my life is experiencing, you know, body recovery and, and military and coming to Jesus in the most radical um, way where I had to just prove it to myself and then finally just get drenched with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it's given me these experiences and these ups and downs and failure after failure after failure. Um, where I can really uh, look at them as, as life lessons um, mm-hmm. that I can hopefully rub off on my kids or the people I mentor and teach, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, and you're just looking at it as, as an opportunity to, to learn, build, and teach and mentor others. I love that. That's such a great perspective on it, and especially um, the just personal example and the story, I think, really bring it to life that we all we all can we're all going to go through those really difficult times and have those really bad experiences. Yeah. And what we do with it is our choice. You know, do yeah. we use it to learn a lesson? Do we use it to teach others? Do we use it to uh, maybe help someone else that's gone through something similar, you know, or we can allow it to just overwhelm us to the point that we never move past it. And it actually is just a negative for the rest of our life. Uh, so we really have a yeah. choice on, on if we use it for something positive or if we use it, or, or allow it to be something negative from then on out. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of power in just the choices we make when it comes to uh, our thought process and those moments in the past. So that's really powerful, man. That's really good. Yeah, thanks, man. And I, I heard a, a quote recently, and he said, uh, you don't learn anything from winning, mm. but you learn everything from losing. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, if we, and if we reflect on those um, kind of horrible memories or PTSD moments or something like that, um, you can also juxtapose or compare that to moments in your life where you won an award or something like that. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I didn't learn anything from getting the gold medal, but I learned a lot from this horrible experience that I had when I was a kid. Mm. And also, if you dig and build a foundation of, of Jesus in a Christian worldview, then all of a sudden, you don't look at things like, woe is me. You don't look at things like, oh, I'm so broken. You look at things like, how can I use this? Yeah. How can I see Jesus in this? How can I, how can I see a, a divine lesson in this? Um, and, you know, I teach my kids, when you see the Bentley, when you see the Rolls Royce or the $2 million house, you don't think, oh, why can't I have that? They don't deserve that. What did they do for that? Or they didn't earn that. Think, wow, maybe I could get there one day. Maybe, I bet they worked so hard for that. And... And, it, and just those little simple things just kind of switches their their um, mindset and their consistent worldview uh, to less of a woe is me and more of a, uh, like at Timberlake, we say, own your outcome. And that's a life 
that's a life lesson right there. You know, mm-hmm. own your outcome. Everything you do um, is your fault. You know, um, not everything you live through, but everything you do. And 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 if we see failures as lesson lessons, um, and winning as opportunities to teach and, and things like that, all of a sudden our our minds just go a different pathway and yeah, we go on a different journey. So yeah, I love it, Ross. That is so good. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, the we're running out of time here. Um, yeah. but this just means I'm going to have to have you on for another episode yeah. to talk more, uh, loved getting to talk about PTSD, getting to talk about the metaverse, getting to talk about, um, just how we can turn, uh, those, those bad experiences into something positive. Um, so really excited for, for listeners to be able to hear this and be able to ask questions. Uh, can I, can what, I add one thing yeah. before we cut? So one thing that's really been on my heart and that I've really been thinking about a lot, and it really comes back to PTSD as well, um, is this war in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, And if you think about it, this is the first time a generation has watched a war unedited, uh, not on the news, but they're seeing it on social media first. Mm. Um, And so you've got 12, 15, 17-year-old kids, 25-year-old adults, that are watching, that are flipping through TikTok and Instagram and seeing bombs go off or helicopters fly around like bees in in Ukraine. And they're watching this. And the interesting result of that after a week's time, so I'll get back to the result, but I remember the first day Russia invaded Ukraine and I was on TikTok. I try to, you know, get on all these social platforms to experience them before my kids do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on TikTok and literally every single video I flipped through was bombs going off, people get, getting blown up. And so TikTok can't take the video down fast enough because it goes up, a million people see it, and, and you're seeing people die, you're seeing bombs go off, and you're seeing families killed, you're seeing event centers blowing up where 300 innocent people are dying. Um, and we are really underestimating the effect that that's happening on, on or the effect that that's having on these kids mm-hmm. and these children and adults, and even myself. Um, I don't know if anybody's, anybody who's listening to this um, has experienced this, but I remember that, that first week, my wife and I were kind of like full of stress and anxiety for almost no reason because there's a war going on and we're sitting yeah. here doing nothing. And I'm, I call myself a Christian. You know, what am I, what do I do in this moment? Um, and A, you can't blame yourself. You can't put extra responsibility on yourself. Um, but you can pray, you know, and you can do what you can. But, but from the other side, the non-Christian and just people being exposed to it, there's going to be a wave of mental health, mark my words, mm. a wave of mental health problems coming, resulting from this war, not just people exposed to it um, physically, but people exposed to it digitally. Um, and so, you know, we have to keep an eye on that. And if you're going through that, if you're listening to this and you're going through that, um, just, just, you know, uh, label it, understand that it's happening, um, and, and understand that, um, you know, put, give your life to Jesus and do the best you can, but you, you don't have much responsibility, um, except to do your best to kind of understand it. Yeah. Um, because it's really dark, it's really horrible and my kids are watching it and it's, it's just, it's crazy. And I think it's going to create um, a micro PTSD moment for millions of people who mm. aren't going to understand it because they didn't. They never said, oh, that affected me. They just said, oh, wow, another video. Oh, I hope Ukraine wins, you know. And, and it's just this really weird thing that's happening just in the last couple of weeks. And maybe next time we talk, we can kind of go back yeah. and look over that again. I would love but, to dive into that because you're exactly right. That's going to take a huge toll yeah. uh, mental health wise. So. Yeah, this next conversation we'll have to dive into dive into that and what that looks like for us as followers of Christ. What that looks like for anyone that's just experiencing that. Some things that we can do to um, kind of protect our mind when it comes to that. Uh, yeah, where where can people maybe if they want to continue the conversation with you, like what's your social media handle or how can people find you? Yeah, so. Um I mean, you can always uh, email me. I mean, my, my church email is just uh, ross.w at timberlake.church. Yeah. Um, and, or, or we can connect on social media, message me on Instagram. It's just at R-O-S-S-C Wiley, Ross C. Wiley. We can talk um, further on this. Um, I have a, I have a, um, a website, but it, it got attacked dig- mm. digitally by some hackers, or so I had to take it down. But anyways, connect, and, and I'm also at Ross Laughs on TikToks so if you want to connect on there and 
and see some funny videos. You know, we, uh, my wife and I really use TikTok, and a, a lot of your listeners might hate it. I know it's it's got this really bad um, just kind of aura around it. Um, but what we do is we we don't have much time with our kids, and um, you know we put the kids in bed at eight. We got to be in bed at ten because we're both waking up at five thirty six. Yeah. Um, and so we take the last two hours of our night and we sit and we talk. We have when we have nothing to talk about, we don't force it. We'll jump on TikTok, watch a few funny videos, share a few funny videos, um, and and it really is an asset for us. And, and we've kind of used it in a positive way. And the algorithm learns what you want. So if you if you dwell on those. Um, bad videos, then it'll keep yeah. feeding you bad videos. But if you if you really um, just use it to laugh, laughing is one of the healthiest things you can do, and we just mm. do our best to to live that life. So that's awesome. I need to jump on the TikTok chain. Yeah, well, especially for going. mental health, yeah. I think you could have an immense effect on millions of people. I had, I had a random video go totally viral, over a million views, and it was just a cute video. You know, it's just a, a kid video or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to check it out. I'll Someone could hear the gospel. They could hear your advice on mental health, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. That's really cool. Ross, thanks so much, man. Really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to to talk here and look forward to us getting to have more conversations about this. Yeah, amen. It was a blast. I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for taking the time to check this out. Uh, feel free to hit me up at any point um, if you have any thoughts or questions or things that you would love to hear on future uh, podcast episodes, just let me know how I can encourage you and pray for you. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with others so that they can join us on this journey. I'll see you next time.